It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. I think about over the years how I never for a long, long time ever took any kind of question about investing. We're not an investing show. But over the years, gradually, there's been more and more people asking me things about Roth IRAs, 401ks, that sort of thing, as people who were never focused on the stock market or investing have been forced to as employer pensions have generally vanished. And so people who are not interested in it particularly, studied for it, are left having to understand enough to protect themselves building towards a financial future. And so a time like right now can get extremely confusing. So we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're in a recession. We've been through a time period over the last five months where 50 million of our fellow Americans have faced at least some time in unemployment. We continue today with tens of millions still in unemployment, people whose uh, job situation has been unstable, where they are employed, unemployed, employed again, maybe facing another wave of unemployment. How in the world, in the midst of this, could the stock market have cratered when the pandemic started and now is at all-time record highs? In addition, Apple became the first company, I guess, ever in history anywhere on earth to hit a value of $2 trillion. I mean, that's unbelievable. That's $2,000 billion in value for one company. Well, I want you to drill down on this and understand how it affects you and your wallet. You know, a lot of people are nervous who have seen their accounts recover, but still nervous, like, is another shoe going to drop? So it is normal with investing that markets go up and down routinely over time. The recovery in the midst of a recession is by itself not unusual. Many times the stock market is a leading indicator of where we're headed. And remember, the coronavirus recession was not a recession because of underlying problems with the general economy. It was because of a health-related problem that caused the unemployment and the recession that we're in. So the underlying fundamentals are sound. As for the values being assigned to stocks right now, they are abnormally high. So I would not say that this is a bubble, but I would say that stocks are overvalued. Let's say I'm right. What difference does that make to you if you're putting money in a 401k or a Roth IRA or something like that? If you're well diversified in the fund choices in there, you're in the target retirement fund choices, you're in various index choices, and you're building money every pay period or every month, and you're building towards a future down the road, then whether the market is overvalued today, even if some stocks like uh, Tesla 
are in a bubble, it is insignificant and unimportant for the glide path you're on. So don't let the noise of a market being good or bad change your path if you are well diversified. And by being well diversified, being in a target retirement fund by itself is an example of you being well diversified with your money spread out across the economy, various sectors, typically thousands of stocks and other alternative types of things to stocks, the simplest and the least uh, thing that would be alternative bonds many times are in target retirement funds. If you're in index funds, you own uh, typically 500 to 3,000 stocks, and so your money is spread out. I will tell you, though, right now, if you are an individual investor buying individual stocks, including all the newbies on Robinhood, know that your buying and selling of individual stocks is a riskier endeavor. And a lot of people doing Robinhood, as I've been reading, are even doing things like options trading. This is very, very risky to you. And it is not the basis of where your financial life should be built. I mean, you can do whatever you want. I'm just telling you, it's more risky. So, no, also, there's a big concentration in the run-up in stocks in a tiny number of high-tech stocks plus Tesla. And so, it means that these stocks are priced for perfection plus. So, do I think there could be a correction coming? Of course, there's always a correction in the stock market. Do I think there could be a bear market in our future? Yes, but there's nothing imminent that says something like that is going to happen. It happens typically when we least expect it. So steady as you go with clear goals in mind is key to your financial future and security. It's time for your questions you posted for me at clark.com ask. Producers Kim and Joel alternate asking your questions. And Kim, who do you have a question from? This is from Sally. Sally's in Georgia. And Sally says, I want to start traveling and I'm wondering what questions I should be asking hotels or rental homes regarding COVID safety. Think mass policies and cleaning and stuff like that. This is a wonderful question is you hit the road. Um, so hotel chains, I got to just level with you here. The big chains have established procedures for their properties. But what I'm hearing from people who've been traveling is it's hit or miss whether or not individual properties in a chain are following those procedures. What I recommend is that you look at reviews on TripAdvisor. People who've traveled recently, there are people posting what they've found in terms of the sanitary standards being used at a property. And you can go another step. You can call a ho individual hotel location or email the general manager and ask him or her, what are you doing for safety and sanitation for visitors right now during coronavirus? Uh, if you get no response, that tells you everything you need to know. If you get 
something that seems really half-hearted, that tells you something else as well. But I think you'll find out the most from fellow travelers who've stayed at individual locations during coronavirus. With Airbnb properties, renting an Airbnb, it's all over the place in what owners are doing or not doing to provide a very sanitary environment. In that case, it's really easy to communicate directly with a property owner and find out what exactly they're doing. You'll be able to tell if they're just talking or they're taking it seriously. Joel? Clark Steve in Texas says, I heard you mention I-bonds the other day. From looking at the website, I get the impression that if you cash them in early before 30 years, that you may not get what you paid for them plus interest. I saw that there was a place to look up the value of them. Is it possible to lose principal on purchasing I-bonds? No. And the whole idea of I-bonds is the value is secure, particularly once you pass five years. Under five years, after one year, but less than five, you can forfeit a period of interest. But the value of the bond is secure. The idea of owning an I-bond, though, as I may or may not have adequately explained when I talked about them recently, is own them with the intention like you would own a five-year CD, with the goal being to own it a minimum of five years. And depending on what happens with interest rates in the economy and inflation in the United States, you make a decision five years in, in 2025, if you want to continue to own I-bonds or not. Kim? Vicki in New York says, my daughter is recently engaged and starting to plan her wedding. Do you have any tips or suggestions to protect, to protect herself financially as she deals with vendors and venues? She's considering a date next year, but is uncertain due to the high number of weddings that have been rescheduled and further uncertainty concerning the pandemic. This is a question that I've been asked a lot on the show and off the show as well. I've had a number of friends who have kids that are engaged asking me this same question. And what I've advised is not to do the normal thing in a cycle of getting married and book various vendors where you're going to face um, time periods where uh, you would lose money, you lose deposits and the rest. So what I've encouraged people to do is to wait very late in wedding planning, which is against the natural instinct of most every bride-to-be there is. But wait till you commit to various vendors like photographer and things like that. People wonder and worry, I'm not going to be able to find someone and all that. You'll find somebody who can do that very close to your date. As far as facilities, you want to book a facility, whether it's a hotel ballroom or an event space or whatever, that you negotiate the right to a refund up to a period of time close to the date of the event. Completely abnormal for wedding planning. But again, if you have trouble finding a facility that you like that will agree to that, then you cannot book until the public health picture is more clear 
later into the future. I'm taking all the romance out of planning a wedding, aren't I? Joel? Clark Mike in Georgia says, I'm a public school teacher. My question is whether or not I can take a tax deduction on the cost of internet and the computer that I'm required to use in my personal residence when we're remote learning due to COVID. Uh, we're not allowed back in the building and required to work from home via internet and, and using our personal computers in many cases. It may sound petty as millions are out of work, but at my age, every penny counts. So this is one, unless Congress passes in the next coronavirus relief package, some kind of protection for teachers and potentially other workers who at the choice of their employers are not allowed to come into the office and are in your case a school and are required to work at home using your own facilities, your own internet connection, your own computer and all that, unless they pass something for people that are regular employees, W-2 employees, it is not something that normally will be deductible and that's why it requires an act of the Congress. Danielle is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Danielle. How are you today? I am great, Clark. How are you? Good, good. So you have a child who normally would be in public school, but you've made a one-year decision for private school? That is that is correct. Um, so just this year, and we have a question about paying for his tuition. I'm ready. Okay, so um, the tuition for the private school runs ab about $13,000. And he has a um, 529 account that has roughly $70,000. Um, and we have close to 92000 in our just regular savings accounts. All right, let me stop and you right there. You are okay. a fantastic saver. Thank you. It, it's my husband. <laughs> That's really great. So yeah. the private school tuition at 13000 is very good, too, because the average private school tuition in the country is a little more than double that. Oh, wow. Wow. It doesn't seem great so, to you paying it, does it? No, it, it, seems, it seems a lot to us, so I'm glad it's uh, not the average for sure. So you've got... The sixty nine and the five twenty nine. You said you yes. had if I had them if I caught what you said right, ninety two thousand in savings. Correct. And you now can use ten grand in a year to pay for private school prior to college. Correct. So is that the thing you're trying to figure out the dilemma? Where should you pay this money from? It is, absolutely. I would if it were me, I would take the thirteen thousand out of the 92000 you've saved, instead of, I mean, you still have to take three out of there since 10 is the maximum you can pull out of a 529 for school prior to college. But I mm -hmm. would let the 69 continue to grow. Remember, it's growing tax-free. Your right. child is what grade again? Eighth grade. Eighth grade. So we got, nine, ten, we got five years, really, till college money is going to be used at this. Mm -hmm. And so... It would make sense to use the money in your savings that's earning like nothing point nothing right now. Right. That that's about that's close. And you'll still have a tremendous amount of money saved. And okay. let that college money continue to grow 
accumulating tax-free. See, that's what's so amazing about 529 money is it's not growing tax-deferred. It's growing tax-free. So you let it grow tax-free, you spend it tax-free, and having that money continue to work for you is great. I mean, if you told me you had no savings and all that, and it was really important for this year for your child to go to private school this one year, I'd say, okay, yeah, take the money, 10K of it from the 529, but not in your case. Okay. And what do you think? You think a year from now you're going to say, well, we meant for it to only be one year. Well, I'm hoping it'll just be one year, but if that's not the case, I'll give you a call back and we'll talk about it then too. Sounds perfect. Have a great day. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you have. Our websites, clark.com and clarkdeals.com. So roughly one in three Americans rent. And there is a massive change in how the rental market is working around the United States And I need to make sure that you know how this is playing out. So in many communities around the United States, landlords, large and small, had any length lease as long as it was 12 months. The 12-month lease was very much the standard practice. There are apartment complexes that are owned by big financial groups that in recent years went to travel industry kind of demand pricing with leases that could stretch like an accordion or shrink based on what might be better for you or might the landlord might feel like might make them more money. But historically, there was no flexibility. Well, a survey by the National Apartment Association found that now two-thirds of landlords in the country are offering various term leases shorter than that traditional one year. And if you go back to last year, according to an article in USA Today, only 7% of landlords offered any flexibility of any kind really on leases. Now two-thirds. So there are multiple factors going on with this. One, the college student market, with colleges not knowing day by day whether college is going to be in person or not. Um, My daughter, who's a college student in the Los Angeles metro area, was presented with a lease that her landlord had come up with for college students that in the lease you had to sign that one for a pretty normal term but in the lease there was a buyout provision that you could use if school closed and went online only and it was a flat rate to get you out of your lease so you got the student market as part of it but then because of what's going on in the job market with people being very worried about what their job picture is going to be, being stuck in a long-term lease is not good for you and not good for the landlord if you lose your job. The landlord might go after you with a, a dispossessory and eviction, which 
just follows you around on your rental and credit history like a plague and landlords don't want to have to go through that process tenants don't want that either so you have great flexibility now with landlords even many offering something that historically they would never consider and that's month-to-month leases the risk to you as a tenant of a month-to-month is that the landlord with a notice at any point can start pushing your rent up the advantage to you of a tenant's obvious if your life situation or circumstances change you with the proper notice that month-to-month would require can pick up and move you may find a landlord that offers a three-month lease six-month lease five-month lease whatever lease so know now remember two and three according to the industry survey are offering you flexibility as a tenant potential tenant and you want to use that if your life faces some instability because of coronavirus because that one-year lease can be quite a handcuff in your life if your situation right now with employment is not as stable as normal it's time for your questions you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Do I remember, Kim, you're next? You are right. This is from Matt in Ohio. And Matt says, we have a bun in the oven due in December. Congratulations. We'd like to start a 529 account for after our child is born. We've heard you say that having a parent as the primary account holder doesn't significantly affect the child's scholarship opportunities. Does it make a difference if the account holder is my wife or is me? Would having the parent who makes less income lessen the effect of scholarship opportunities? No, there's there's no difference in terms of which parent owns the 529 for the benefit of a child. And there's even a trick people do now if you're really wanting to get this going even before your baby comes along in December, you can open a 529 now naming yourself as the beneficiary. And then once your child's born, you can change the name to your child. But that's really, (laughs) that's really for people who are extra, extra eager to save for a child's college. Easier just to wait till after the birth and set up the account. And when you do set up that 529 plan, know that 529 plans vary enormously in quality and they have to have state sponsorship but even a single state might lend their sponsorship to multiple plans that can range from plans that are absolutely rotten terrible to ones that are very very good know this any plan that you buy from a salesperson is going to be a ripoff going to have massive fees connected with it and you want to avoid those completely and go with a plan that is what's known as a direct sold plan that you buy right at the state-sponsored website for that plan even within that there are good plans and not as good plans and I have a guide at clark.com to the best 529 plans state by state Joel Clark Denise in Georgia says, what can be done about places not giving refunds for concerts and sporting events? I'm seeing so many comments on Twitter, but none of them are very helpful. So Joel and Kim, we had our first question about the concerts not giving people money back 
it's felt like the first week that we started focusing on coronavirus in March. Right. Absolutely. And the problem continues now all these months later. Ticketmaster's policy has changed. I don't even know how many times on when a refund will be made. And one of the really sleazy things the concert promoters and Ticketmaster have engaged in is saying that, well, if a concert is postponed and not canceled, then your rights to a refund may or may not exist. So this has been a brutal thing because people could have laid out big money for a concert. And one thing that Ticketmaster, their latest was that when a concert's postponed, at a certain point they will offer you a 30-day window to request an actual refund instead of them holding on to your money. And then you have that window to accept or reject that new date. Failure to do anything they take as an acceptance, and then you're not eligible for your refund. But in that window, if you reject, then at least in theory, you are entitled to a refund. And this has been uh, very difficult for people who've lost their jobs and need that money to live on. And the industry is doing a great job alienating its fans moving forward. Joel? Clark Jared in New York says, my father has a flip phone and no desire to part ways with it. He's on my... <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> right? He's on my sister's family plan, and I want her to save money by switching her immediate family from Verizon to Visible. Unfortunately, this would leave my dad out in the cold with his flip phone. So is there a call and text only plan that's cheap for the old man setting his ways? Yes. Now, whether or not they'll work with a flip phone, uh, I would think they would. But there are several plans now that are in the $10 a month range, including one from Boost Mobile that is $10 a month and actually includes data he wouldn't be using. So I've got on Clark.com a continually updated guide to the best cell phone plans of the moment. And I've got a bunch of really, really cheap, cheap, plans for people who don't use any data or a lot of data at all and they are all in the general range of 10 to 15 dollars on our plan guide but the easiest of all to do is probably the boost mobile at 10 dollars a month and then the question would be does that flip phone work on their network uh, which is something you can only figure out at a Boost Mobile store. So if the phone's not compatible, I hope they have a flip phone that is. Kim? Paul in Georgia wants to know, how legit are these land and cabin deals that advertise super low prices in the mountains? They make offers uh, for one day only. If it's legitimate, why is it one day only? Okay, the value of any mountain or lake property is whatever it is at that moment. There is no screaming deal that if you don't buy that day, you're never going to get it. Because the reality is mountain and lake property is very difficult to sell. And a lot of 
these land deals you see that say the land was worth blah, blah, blah an acre. And now it's worth only this an acre on our deal. There were a lot of failed developers, as there always are, in mountain and lake communities, but especially mountain communities, who end up with their property being taken back by a bank or whatever. A new owner will buy it pennies on the dollar, potentially, and then they've got to get rid of it. So the price was never what the original developer said. If it was, then it wouldn't have failed. So know that the value of real estate is what it is at that particular time in history, but not that day in history. Uh, also, I'm totally opposed to you unless you live in the community buying raw land. There are so many people who, with mountain property and lake property, have bought undeveloped pieces of land that they never develop, but they end up with an ongoing obligation, maybe even a homeowner's association fee on top of it. So if you do want to buy property in a mountain community, buy one that already has a house on it. Because you want something that if you later decide you don't want it, is a lot easier for you to sell than if you just have a raw piece of land. And the other side of this is if you buy a place that has a structure on it that's usable and livable, you can start enjoying that property right away instead of just paying for a property you might not ever be able to enjoy. Joel? Clark William in California says, what's the best inexpensive burial insurance policy? No burial insurance policy. The smart thing to do is look for a local association. If you go to um, the website funerals.org, you can find a funeral and memorial society near you. You can end up arranging for a funeral so inexpensively that there will be no need for an insurance policy. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mike is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Mike. You have very exciting news in your life, don't you? Hey, Clark. How are you doing? Great. Thank you. So yep, you're getting I, married uh, in the middle of a pandemic. Exactly. We're working right through it. We're going to proceed like uh, there's nothing going on. And Of course, those family members and friends that are, uh, feel comfortable will attend our wedding in September. Well, how can I be of service to you with this exciting event happening in your life? Well, thank you. Yeah, I am uh, a bit unique in my uh, 
my life's uh, direction and, and occupation over the last 30 years. I've been on the road traveling, had an amazing life uh, for nonprofit, been to 77 some countries, and uh, uh, never married. And uh, I am, uh, as you know, I'm going to uh, get married this September. And uh, there's a bit of a age gap uh, with uh, the relationship. And I've never had life insurance. I've never been married, never had life insurance. And I thought, you know, uh, as we face our future together, I want to be able to make sure in the event of my death that uh, my wife is taken care of and that there's children also. Um, can I say the age gap? Oh, sure. <laughs> For your audience, it's, uh, it's 32 years. And 32 years. Wow. 32 years, sir. Yes. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's coming together quite gracefully and a lot of confirmation that, uh, that we're to be together and we're going to proceed in love and, uh, make the best life possible for us. So and you want to make sure that if you were to pass away, that she's okay economically, by the way, um, it's a good idea for her to have life insurance as well to make sure that you are okay. If she were, uh, you know, the stats right. say you would be the one who would go first, but you know, life brings unexpected curveballs and exactly. buying life insurance for you is much more difficult than for her. Okay. Because okay. Of your age. And have you had any pre-existing conditions that an insurer may say they want nothing to do with you, or are you a-okay? I'm pretty pretty good shape. Yeah. Okay. So that means that as you look at buying life insurance, um, how many years are you from retirement? I I would say I would say twelve twelve to fifteen years. Okay. So yeah. in your case, it would be a good idea for you to look at 10 or 15 year level term insurance. Level term. Okay. Level term is where it's very inexpensive compared to what's known as whole life insurance, where it only pays in the event of your passing. There's no okay. weird savings account or investment or anything. It's just uh, essentially death insurance. Okay. And so there are many, many companies that can quote you right online for level term insurance. In fact, I have a guide to buying it at Clark.com. Okay, great. you can see how to get the price quotes. So uh, that would be how you would provide. And having the life insurance during your working years for replacement of income is the key and again, based on premiums, that would be either a 10-year level term or 15. And best to both of you. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.